Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer, joined by my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. And Dan, how you doing today, buddy? Hey, doing fine. A couple days, unfortunately, the Rangers have had, had one of their worst losses last week. And of course, of course, of course, of course World Baseball Classic up. Yeah, man, as the uh, the U.S. team will play a exhibition game against the San Francisco Giants tonight as we're recording this uh, on Wednesday night. So uh, that'll be fun to watch that team get started up. I saw that Jeff McNeil was batting ninth. And Pete Alonso, this lineup is so deep, Pete wasn't even in the lineup. So going to be really interesting to see how that rolls out. And we'll actually get into uh, some World Baseball Classic talk a little bit later on. But right off the bat, man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. You, you you mentioned our Rangers. We'll also touch on that a little bit later, too, as they finally get started up after a couple of days off that they, they really needed. They needed these, these three or four days off. They'll be starting up tomorrow again in Montreal. But before we get to all that, you and uh, your New York football Giants had a pretty big day yesterday as – we saw the Giants, a big commitment to their quarterback as they signed quarterback Daniel Jones to a four-year, $160 million contract and also placed the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley, keeping them both around next year to uh, run it back one more time with Brian Dayball, man. You must be pr- feeling pretty happy about that, right? Yep, I'm pretty pretty pumped up about it. Is, it looked pretty much as I predicted would happen. They were uh, they were gonna sign Daniel on Barkley. What's just like six then let's hope that this six then they uh build on uh build on last year because that was one heck of a run and I just feel has only one way to go but up. I agree, man. I agree. They and this is something that and look, I know a lot of Giants fans had had problems with giving uh you know Daniel Jones, this this kind of money. Because look, for guys like me and you and the average giant fan out there, we're not used to seeing these types of numbers. And we've been, you know, we've spent our entire lives having it drilled into our head, you know, what a joke it is to see these athletes get paid that much. But then, you know, when you see guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, um, uh, you know, Steph Curry in the NBA and, Justin Verlander and Scherzer all making over 40 million, you know, you can rationalize it in your head and say, okay, even though it's a lot of freaking money, at least they're the best in the game. Now, when you look at, at Daniel Jones, um, and this isn't taking a shot at him, Daniel Jones is a very, very good quarterback, but he's not the best quarterback in the league. But the fact that he's making 40 million is a gigantic commitment and a smart move for the Giants. They had to do this. 
This is the going rate for quarterbacks these days. It doesn't matter that he's not, you know, Patrick Mahomes or that he's not Joe Burrow. Uh, this is a guy that's a, a, a very good quarterback for this Giants team. He fits in. He's a leader. He was drafted by this team. They've put all their faith in him. And it's it's just a, a, a really good move for the Giants and for Daniel Jones. And the thing about the cap in football, I know a lot of people worry, oh, what are they going to do with the cap now? They structured this contract where Daniel Jones is going to, you know, is going to be making money. I, I think I saw that it was something around 19 million is his cap hit this year, which is totally doable. I mean, sure, the Giants are paying him, you know, whatever ended up being somewhere around 40 million this year. That's his actual salary. But he's only his cap hit's only going to be around 19 million, which is, you know, less than league average probably for quarterbacks on their second contract. So I I think the Giants did the right thing. They didn't panic at the at the idea of a big number because one other thing to keep in mind Dan is that right now the NFL salary uh cap is somewhere around 220 million. It's going to be shooting up to north of 240 million in the next 2 years. So really, you could knock ten or fifteen million off this this contract right now because it's not going to be as big of a cap hit uh, percentage wise in the next couple of years, right? Yeah, exactly. I feel I feel the Giants cap go up. they made a good move, especially for the player who finally get thought he would and this team is just the, the way their offense structured like they had to go it's gonna be a step backwards if it didn't yeah yeah it definitely would have been a step backwards no doubt about it and i heard people um trying to make the case for it and you know specifically i heard on wfan a guy who i'm a, a big fan of brandon tierney um, saying, and granted, he's a Jets fan, so he's he's not looking at it from a fan perspective. But what he was saying is, hey, go out there, don't give the forty million to uh, to Daniel Jones, give him the unexclusive tag, let somebody else pay him, get the first round draft picks, and you know restock this team. And while that is a good idea, I present to you. The New York Jets. <laughs> Look at the New York Jets. They have a pretty good team overall, and we'll get to the Aaron Rodgers talk and all that in a little bit. But look what the problem is. <laughs> the problem was in this team last year that they had the worst quarterback play in football. You, The Giants do not want to put themselves back in a position where you're looking for quarterback. Sure, does Daniel Jones' numbers blow you away? No. Does 15 touchdowns and five interceptions blow you away? It's not going to. But the fact of the matter is that Daniel Jones was the perfect quarterback for this Giants system last year. He wasn't fumbling the ball anymore. He wasn't throwing crazy interceptions. He threw the worst interception he threw all year was probably the one in the divisional round against uh, the, the Eagles that for all intents and purposes probably ended the game. But he went from September to January without throwing a terrible interception and to do it against that Eagles defense really isn't that 
you know, big a deal. The Eagles' defense is amazing, right, Dan? Yeah, that was. I mean, that was unfortunate. That was the. I was. Uh, we we were overmatched in that team. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's, it's it's not um. It's not the worst thing in the world that you were overmatched in that game too, because the Eagles have been on this rebuild. Well, I guess not a rebuild, but reloading their team you know, for the last couple of years now, really ever since they lo- they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots and uh, had to move on a couple of quarterbacks down the line. They found out Carson Wentz wasn't the guy. Uh, you know, obviously Nick Foles moved on. Now they have, um, you know, um, it, it just a, a really, a, a much better situation, uh, a quarterback that they drafted, um, you know, a guy that's going to be under cost control for a couple of years. That's what the Giants had too in Daniel Jones. And it's not the worst thing in the world that they they by not picking up his fifth year option um that they lost one year of control uh pay wise. You know, it's it's not because who knows what would have happened if the Giants picked up Daniel Jones fifth year option and still had him under contract this year. Maybe you don't get the season you got out of him. You know what I mean? Maybe not picking up Daniel Jones' fifth uh, fifth year option this year got rid of that safety net and lit a fire under the kid's ass. And not only did the great coaching of Brian Dable um, bring him around and make him a better quarterback, you know, and improve week to week throughout the season, but maybe a lot of it had to do with the fact that not picking up this option and fighting for his football life, Daniel Jones had that that motivation. What do you think about that, Dan? Yeah, I think that's what it was. It was he was playing and just went and showed his worth right there, and he he showed that worth to this extent and earned this extension, rightfully earned this extension that he got. He definitely earn the extension you're a hundred percent right and anybody that has a problem with it hey you know i know that you know like i said the number is a big number nobody say i nobody deserves 40 million dollars a year to play football but that's just what the numbers are now you know in the 70s everybody thought it was crazy that reggie jackson or and catfish hunter and all these guys were getting paid you know a million or close to a million to go to the Yankees and, uh, you know, sign these, these big contracts. Even when Keith Hernandez signed his extension, everybody thought that amount of money was uh, exorbitant. And that was barely over a million a year. I, I really just think that this is the way things are, you know, done now. These are the numbers that if you are a quarterback and you are reasonably productive, especially the age Daniel Jones is, you're going to get paid. And um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, especially when the cap is as high as it is. You know, it'd be one thing if we were talking about the Rangers, where the cap is in hockey right now about $83 So if you're going to tell me, oh, okay, Daniel Jones is going to, or, you know, whatever, let's say uh, Patrick Kane is going to cost $40 of the Rangers $83 yeah, okay, then I guess, that would be a bad contract. You can't you can't give that kind of money out. 
But when your cap is hovering around $220 million and a 40 million cap hit is a big hit, but something that is expected for a quarterback these days, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, exactly. The situation that they uh, went within the, within the salary cap, they knew, they knew this wasn't, they knew it wasn't going to take, take this big of a hit. They knew the salary cap was going up in a couple of years and, uh, they made they made a good decision, and it's not. It, in the end, it probably that probably won't work out to be a bad contract. It all goes as planned. Absolutely, and you know, looking at the Saquon side of it, what do you think of that, Dan? Um, you know, as a Giants fan, would you have preferred? Like, are, are are you happy that the Giants came to the contract extension or whatever you want to call it with Daniel Jones and? and franchise tagged Saquon or would you rather them have done that the other way around and given Saquon the long-term contract and franchise Daniel Jones and figure that out next year? I think the direction they running backs could be at times over the court over the, over the course of time, probably, probably was the right decision to not sign up to sign him to that big of a contract to go on a franchise tag. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right because when you see the the way that um just like you said the way running backs are treated and paid these days and not to mention, you know, I know he came back and had a great year. And not only did he have what 13 or 1400 yards for the Giants this year, he also was their best receiver or at least their most productive receiver for the whole year. So he's definitely a dual threat. And Saquon is definitely a gigantic piece of that giant lineup. But, you know, you just can't – you had to lock up the quarterback. Running backs in this league, I hate to say it, are almost a dime a dozen. And I know Saquon is still a great talent, and you, there aren't many in the league that are better than him. But when you had that option to franchise him at a reasonable cost, I think it's like 12 and a half or $13 million that they got him on the, the, the tag for. And you got to be happy with that, man. I mean, that's a really good number to get him at. Unfortunately, they, they couldn't come to a long-term deal with that. But the thing that, that you have to remember, too, is that just because he's on the tag doesn't mean that him and the Giants can't come to a long-term extension at some point, you know, maybe leading up to training camp, right? Yeah, exactly. That does, doesn't always mean that. It means if they if they can come to a term, they can do that. If they can't, probably it's just, it's a it's a win win decision they made. Yeah, yeah, and Saquon is getting the uh, the money that he deserves. You know, he might not be that thrilled about being stuck on a one year deal and still having to worry about this next year. But then, hey, they they could always figure it out next year too. It's not the uh, the be all end all. He's he, he's gonna. They got Daniel Jones locked up. And by the way, too, the thing about Daniel Jones is everybody acts like it's like baseball, where oh no, you signed a guy to a five or six year deal, you're locked in there, and he's not going anywhere because you're paying him 100. percent Out of Daniel Jones's contract, only 82 million of that. I say only, you know, <laughs> rolling my eyes a little bit, but only 82 million of that is guaranteed. So he's guaranteed. 82 million through the first two years of this deal. And then after that, 
So let's say Daniel Jones stinks this year and stinks next year. The Giants can just cut him after that and be done with it. Sure, there'll be some, you know, dead cat money, and I'm sure there'll be a little bit here or there, but it won't be bad, and it won't be a crazy number. It'll be, you know, whatever, the cost of doing business. And see you later. Um, so really, if you think about it, he's for, from the Giants' perspective, he's only locked into a two-year deal. So really, it's like, show me that you can do it again. And, you know, in a couple of years, we'll talk about another extension and another big-time payday when he's 29 or 30 years old, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What it's not that it's not that big of a contract when you really look at it in football terms. How these contracts are done in football. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because in football, that that's the beautiful thing. If you're a football GM, you know you can hand out all the contracts you want, but you know after a year or two, if the thing's not working out, you can just cut these guys and that's it. See you later. Nothing's guaranteed for the most part in football. Unless you just Sean Watson and his entire contract was guaranteed from the Cleveland Browns, which is still crazy. And I know a lot of the owners still aren't too thrilled about that either, by the way. But um, yeah, so very good uh, job by your Giants, man. Very happy that that got done. But now, now we get to the TMZ part of our show here as we move on to my football team. And we're talking about uh, the pursuit the New York Jets pursuit of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, now, Dan, I, I don't know if you were paying close attention over the last couple of days. So before this, we'll start off on Monday. Monday morning, the news broke out that uh, Derek Carr, the you know number two, I guess you could say, target of the Jets, had uh, from a quarterback perspective, signs with the New Orleans Saints. And Jet fans, not myself included, but Jet fans, a lot of them begin to panic because that was our safety net. Now, me, on the other hand, when I saw that, I actually got really, really happy <laughs> because if, you, if you've if you been talking to me and Dan, you have me, you do this show every damn week, you know that I've been all in on Aaron Rodgers, right? Exactly. I would and expect a lot of yeah, I'm sorry, fans. what were you saying? I think I, quite a lot of Jet fans I knew were all in on Aaron Rodgers as well. Exactly, exactly. So we're all, uh, you know, but I, I got to say, though, there was a large contingent of Jet fans that were, they just wanted to settle for Derek Carr. And I got nothing against Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He's the type of quarterback that can, you know, take a team like the Jets and give them, you know, better than average quarterback play and make them a relevant team again. But the difference between Rodgers and Carr is insane. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You could make the case he's a top five quarterback of all time. Now, I don't know about that. He's probably a top 10 at least, uh, from especially, especially strictly from a talent perspective. Maybe you want to throw other guys that have won more Super Bowls over him. But, I mean, Dan, what do you think about that? Do you Would you put Aaron Rodgers in that top five, top ten area? Yeah, definitely, especially all the all – the, all the, that were in contention every year, so he has that experience 
playing for a contender and that pressure of playing for, for a contender. You know, that's a good point, too, because a lot of people want to act like Aaron Rodgers was, you know, I know he just came out of the darkness retreat a couple of weeks ago, but people are acting like he's been playing in a dark cave his entire career. You know, the, the NFL isn't like, you know, Major League Baseball, where you could go play on the Kansas City Royals and nobody will, will hear from you for three years if you're there for three years, you know? it, it Like you're in the witness protection program. In the NFL, if, if you're playing in a market, especially like Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers, you're always dealing with the media, even if it's uh, okay. It might not be, you know, the the five or six guys, whatever you got covering the uh, Green Bay Packers for the the papers in, in Wisconsin and, and the surrounding areas. But you have national media following every move the guy makes. I mean, he's. Just like we said, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So, of course, uh, Aaron Rodgers can deal with this, uh, with, with all this stuff. So, let me get back to the point. So, the point was that car is off the board now. Jets fans begin to panic. A couple of hours later, it turns out that the Jets were conversing with Aaron Rodgers on Monday, that they had been granted permission by the uh, Green Bay Packers to explore, I, I guess not explore trade, because they probably, you would assume that for them to be granted permission in the first place, that Joe Douglas and the Packers GM have agreed to some kind of trade compensation should the Jets and Aaron Rodgers come to some sort of understanding or agreement. So they talked over the phone or Zoom, whatever it was, on Monday. Tuesday, it turns out that at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, the the Jets contingent of Joe Douglas and Woody Johnson and Coach Sala and uh, Nathaniel Hackett, the uh, the offensive coordinator who has a close relationship with Rodgers, all boarded the um, the uh, private jet of Woody Johnson and flew from New York to Southern California. And went out to dinner with Aaron Rodgers. They wined and dined him. They told him everything. Now, this is, I don't know if you've seen this, Dan. This is the video of, uh, hold on a second, let me get it right here. This is the video of Aaron Rodgers um, right here leaving. Uh, well, actually, this is the video of the Jets contingent leaving but so this guy this are, guy was asking uh, i'm sorry Dan, were you they are definitely all in on it all right if they if they're going on this it's almost going to be certain it's It'd be a shocker if it doesn't happen. At this point, I think you're right. And, you know, you see Joe Douglas and Sala and all these guys, there's Hackett, leaving uh, this dinner with Aaron Rodgers. You know, Jet fans are crazy, man. I do have to say that uh, I, I love the passion of this fan base because it, it's just so fun knowing that these uh 
that these other maniacs like myself are i mean and people found that out where specifically where they were going and everything and they were waiting outside for them and that guy he's not a, a paparazzi that's just a jet fan and that's the same thing with uh, I saw another jet fan is this this California jet fan who was sitting outside the airport waiting for them to land. Um, there was these other jet fans that found the flight tracking data of Woody Johnson's jet <laughs> while he was going cross country I, because these guys were posting it online and everything. I was watching in, in real time Woody Johnson's flight go across. You know, obviously, it's just the. Uh, the 3d tracker or whatever it's not like i had a camera in there but they you know we were watching woody johnson get closer and closer and closer and land in california and have this meeting with aaron Rodgers. you know just like you said a minute ago dan it, it really seems like this is gonna happen it's still shocking for me right how how shocking is it for you that you know, we're, that we're seeing this now. I mean, who would have thought that Aaron Rodgers would be getting traded and not only getting traded, but Aaron Rodgers getting traded to the Jets? That That's just a crazy storyline, right? Yeah, it's a crazy storyline. I never thought that was going to happen. It pretty much, it pretty much seemed like he was going to, uh, Aaron Rodgers was probably going to play for the Packers his entire career. Never expected that, but here we go. It's happening, Jet fans. You're going to, you're, you're going to get maybe a couple of years, maybe two, three years, if you're lucky, Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully hopefully you guys get two, three good good years from him. And, and hopefully it's not a disaster, because remember the last time the Jets got a good, got a, got a legacy quarterback from Green Bay last time how that panned out. <laughs> now, I'm glad you brought that up, too. Because obviously a lot of people have been making the uh, Rodgers and Favre comparisons. Um, you know, I, I do have to say that I loved the, uh, the the Favre trade. I was a big Favre fan. And looking back on it, too, I mean, what? The Jets gave up a third-round pick for Brett Favre. That, that, that's it. And it was one year. And the next two years after that, they were playing in the AFC Championship game. So, look... I can't sit here and act like that at Aaron Rodgers because you talk to some Jet fans and you'd think that the Brett Favre trade was the worst thing that ever happened to the Jets, uh, the Jets franchise ever. And it wasn't the, the reality of the situation is that the Jets went into Tennessee, beat an undefeated Tennessee Titans team on Thursday night football after beating the, the uh, Patriots the game before that on Sunday they come out of that game eight and three, but Brett Favre had that injured shoulder and that was it. it. So if Brett Favre didn't get hurt, people don't look back on that deal and having Favre here for a year as bad as, as they would. And I know you could say, well, you know, still they're going to look back poorly on it. And I get that. But if you look at it, you know, from a fair perspective, you have to say to yourself, the Jets did everything they could to win. And then the next two years, okay, it, it didn't work out that year. Uh, they collapsed down the stretch, far through two touchdowns and nine interceptions after that game because of his injured shoulder. Should he have pulled himself? Probably. You know, do I blame him for not pulling himself? No. 
and what you know whatever you can't live in the past you can't let things that happened in the past you know absolutely define and guarantee what you're going to do um and i i really think that the 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 jets and woody johnson you know and reports came out today that um woody johnson was the driving force behind this which to be honest i like that they were trying to frame that like woody is bad for wanting aaron Rodgers. the rest of his front office apparently wanted to settle for Derek carr which by the way i don't believe that either um but i do believe that woody johnson badly wants aaron Rodgers. like it, it, why wouldn't you want the guy he's like the, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time right dan i mean is it really that crazy that Woody Johnson would be pushing for Aaron Rodgers? No, it isn't crazy at all. This is, this is a big one. You gotta pull, you gotta make this move. Also, hopefully, you guys don't end up in a situation like I've had to compare with Favre. Hopefully, this time, uh, you guys aren't in a situation where Aaron Rodgers is on the cover of uh, the this year's uh, Madden NFL game because we all know that history with Madden. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that, and. That uh, that Madden curse did come through that year. Uh, it took twelve weeks, but it finally got us. And uh, yeah, you're right, man. Just gotta hope that um, if uh, you know us Jet fans, I, we should all just send letters to Madden uh, or EA Sports, whatever uh, you want to say. Send the letters to those guys saying, "Do not put Rogers on the cover of Madden this year because if he gets hurt." We're blaming you. <laughs> About cover history. A similar thing as Sports Illustrated. Do not put any Mets on the cover of Sports Illustrated until after the World Se the World Series has happened. Exactly. If you want to put guys like Lindor and everything, uh, you know, Pete Alonso, anybody else like that, feel free, but do it in November. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do it on the on the issue where you uh, highlight the World Series that had just happened. That that's okay, but not during the 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 issue that's published fresh after the World Series. That's okay, but not during the season. Sports Illustrated, please, please don't, please don't. <laughs> yeah, buddy, you're you're definitely right about that. And uh, yeah, man, just to, to finish up with this Rogers thing, I, I, I know I'm, I'm pumped. I cannot stop looking at my phone. I've been glued to Twitter the last couple of days, just like, you know, me and you always talk about when it's that type of year and you're just refreshing Twitter and refreshing Twitter and just seeing if there's any updates, seeing what, what uh, news is coming out from anybody. I, I haven't cared what anybody's saying. I've been listening to anyone that will talk. I've been listening to Pat McAfee. I've been listening to my buddy Jake Asman. I've been listening to, um, you know, uh, AJ Hawk, who was on Pat McAfee earlier today. Uh, there are a lot of people, you know, obviously Rich Samini has, has been getting some Woody Johnson updates last night and telling us that they were going out to dinner. And um, and that was, you know, one of the, the big things they were doing in, uh, I believe they went in Santa Monica or something like that last night. And um, yeah, man, so... It's all coming together and really just got to hope that the Jets are able to, uh, you know, um, no pun intended, land this plane, get this guy in the building 
and don't let him leave because uh, it's going to be a really, really fun football season. You know, the, the Jets are one piece away from being a really fun team to watch. The Giants locked up their two big pieces to stay relevant. So, man, this could be the first time since, what, 2010? Did the Jets and Giants both make the playoffs that year? Uh, I mean, it'd be the first time in, in a long time we saw both teams in. Last time both teams made the playoffs, I believe, was the 2006 season, if my memory's correct. Wow, 2006, and that's when we both got knocked out in the first round, right? The Jets went down to the Patriots, and you guys lost to the Panthers, right? I believe the first round we lost, we lost to the fucking Eagles in the in the 2006. Here after, ah, uh, we lost to the we had lost to the Eagles. All right, well, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but but yeah, man, that's a that so man, it's been since 2006. Jeez, it's been a long time since we had both teams in the playoffs at the same time. And, you know, we we got that last year with the Mets and the Yankees. Uh, we might be getting that with three teams in hockey this year because it, it looks like we're going to be getting the Rangers, Islanders, and Devils all in the playoffs this year. And, hey, let's just get it with football again because when when both of these teams are good and, and you know, both the MetLife tenants are good um, and having big seasons, man, there, there really is nothing like that. There's a buzz in the city, and everybody just can't wait for it, right? Yep, exactly. And I could only imagine how crazy the whole New York will be that Las Vegas might be full of, well, not just a hotel that's themed after New York, but have authentic, real New Yorkers take over Las Vegas next year if all goes as they as they as fan fan bases of both teams would hope for, so they'd probably have to get used to a lot of New York accents. I think, you know, which by the way, unlike the hotel, is not a fake New York. <laughs> Be authentic, real New York accents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true, man. And yeah, so what the the you're you're talking about the Super Bowl being there next year, right? Yeah, exactly. And of course, of course, of those. Well, I've, but I am aware there is a New York themed hotel there, as as I just mentioned. Of course, of course, and you know the other funny thing too that I I wasn't sure if you were mentioning this too, because the Jets and the Giants both play in Vegas next year too against the Raiders, so very interesting that both teams are going to have to go through there in the regular season. And maybe there's a good chance they'll be coming back in in February, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, they'll be it'll it'll be it'll be hopefully it'll be one of those situations where it'll be difficult to get a extra difficult to get a flight to Las Vegas. <laughs> exactly. Got all those New Yorkers jumping on there. As uh, yeah, because because you know we show up, man. When our teams are good, no doubt about that. And a lot of times, even when they're not. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. So it's going to be a really fun football year. Yep, exactly. And you, and you can imagine the line, the call, the phone calls to WFAN for, you know, and a, and even a Mad Dog on his show for those Super Bowl tickets are going to be would be extra. It'll be extra traffic <laughs> to get their chance. <laughs> Parky. Oh yeah, man, you got that right. But 
The other thing going on right now, too, that you mentioned earlier is the World Baseball Classic. So we do have to move on from football right now as uh, we'll be uh, touching now on the World Baseball Classic, man. I mean, I, I, I'm i a big fan of the Classic. A lot of expectations on the U.S. this year as a uh, – as the defending champions, we, we, we won the last tournament in, uh, in 2017. And what are your thoughts heading into this, Dan? There, there's a lot on the line for the U.S. I mean, we, we have a very, very deep lineup. The pitching staff I'm a little worried about after Clayton Kershaw had to bow out. Uh, how are you feeling so far? I feel, I'm feeling good going into this tournament. It would be a shocker. going to be going to be high chance also the first round because the first round's in Arizona it's going to be a lot of setting the DVRs to, to to watch the next day aside from some of the games that fall on the weekend though I think though I think one I think one of the games is a little like a late afternoon start or something at the east coast of the first round but I know most of these first round games are going to be a 10 o'clock start time for a lot of us out east so it but but the but like I said, the weekend Saturday that one's gonna be a it's a Saturday I'll be staying up, but had maybe 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 drinking the strongest coffee I could find. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know how does that that our first matchup is? Um, so we, we we play two exhibition games for the U.S. It'll be uh, tonight against San Francisco, and tomorrow against the Angels. Then they'll have an off day on uh friday and they'll play their first game on saturday night against great britain man a, a really really cool matchup i mean how often do you see the u.s and england lock up in a in a baseball game so that's gonna be awesome right yep that is this is good I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it i'll be there watching in my room and wearing wearing my probably wearing my pajamas because because of, of the time ten o'clock, and probably probably hear me making some noise because 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 of how I am when I'm watching the game. Hope, hopefully somehow Mister Malunigan doesn't get doesn't get woken up because <laughs> because he'll because he'll 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 be asleep around that time usually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but who knows? A couple of dingers go out there, and uh, the uh, U.S. takes a late lead. And you know, I I think Mr. Malunigan will forgive you if you wake him up from his nap, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he'll be. I think I think he'll. he'll of course, for all I know, he might probably end up falling asleep on a couch because when I'm when I'm on, because 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 this one and most of the times, a lot of times I'll be watching in my bedroom, normally watching TV, but. The a game like this, I'm probably gonna be sitting on a. I might be sitting in a living room TV for this one. Maybe maybe have some late night snacks. Maybe you know, co maybe coffee. Maybe 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 the strongest uh, the strongest uh, soda I could I could find. I don't I don't know. I haven't decided yet what kind of form I'm in the caffeine I'm in, I'm in taking during a game. But I'll be I'll be there. Wa I'll be there watching. And. Uh, Celebrating a win. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, uh, yeah, so Wainwright takes the ball in that first game. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned, obviously Alonso is not in the exhibition lineup tonight. But 
you know, they'll they'll find a spot for him. Obviously, Goldschmidt is the starting first baseman, so they're gonna, um, you know, use him first. So that, that that makes sense. I totally get it, especially Goldie. You know, had that great year last year. He won the MVP. So uh, as much as I do think that Pete deserves the respect, you got to understand that Goldschmidt's got the job right now. Yeah, exactly. I think I figured Pete was probably DHing most of the time. Maybe this matchup or sign they're they're trying to trying to they're trying to they're trying to work try to test out or whatever the matchups for the you know right right handers left handers whatever they're doing so probably this one probably why uh why you Schwarber's DHing this one but probably before you know you might see during next and later games you're gonna you'll probably see Pete DHing a couple of games here and there. Oh yeah, no doubt about it. They're gonna work him in. As uh, you know, Dan. By the way, too, have you seen um, the uh, coaching staff for them? I mean, it's it's pretty cool that they got uh, Mark DeRosa, and uh, you know, King Griffey Jr. is uh, is is the hitting coach, and Andy Pettit is the pitching coach. You know, uh, I I actually even saw I was looking at uh, a bunch of the rosters across the WBC, and obviously, uh, an, another great thing for a Mets connection is that Mike Piazza is the manager of Team Italy. But another thing that I liked that um, that caught my eye was that former Met Masato Yoshi is the pitching coach for Team Japan. Isn't that pretty cool? Oh, also, it does seem seems does make you feel old when you see these guys as, on coaching staffs and as and as managers, some of these players you remember cuz it's like does it feel like yesterday I remember like a Go go being at Shea Stadium, see Mike Piazza. He probably hit some comfort, you know, some home run, and, and you know, get that gives the Mets a comfort behind win. Doesn't that feel like yesterday? And the same thing when you feel like yesterday, seeing like Ken Griffey Jr. being such a big star in baseball. Doesn't that feel like yesterday? Like because I, he's a guy I remember. Like like weird when you like look when you like for example if you like go to the Hall of Fame and you see you see players that you remember during her act you know, when they're active, it just, fe- just feels weird. I mean, any athletes like that, you can actually say you remember these guys. And it, it's also weird to saying how long ago it is that I'm wearing this. Uh, I, I've sometimes shown up to Met games. I'm wearing um, this Mike Piazza jersey. It's still the black, the alternate jersey, the black one. And yeah. It, and I've had that jersey since my high school days. <laughs> I actually bought this thing at a motel when I was maybe, when I was maybe ninth or tenth grade. It's so fit. <laughs> oh man, that's that's awesome. And, and you know, it, it is it is weird, just like you said. Even that's why I was laughing when I saw that Masato Yoshi was the pitching coach for them because I was like, man, I haven't thought about him in so long. And even Mark DeRosa, I mean. It feels like he was a bench player, you know, for the the Cubs or the and and the Braves just a couple of years ago. Now he's a, a, the the manager of Team USA. Very very interesting. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a really fun tournament, man. I I really can't wait to see how Team USA does. I hope they defend the crown. Um, but you know, there is one thing, Dan, that I did want to I did want to ask you because I saw this stat earlier today, and it. It really is a weird collection of players. So I want to ask you this. There have been four players in uh, Major League history, 
well, I guess not Major League history. There have been four players in United States World Baseball Classic history that have hit three home runs. Now, obviously, you know, cumulatively, and I just butchered that word, cumulatively through the uh, the World Baseball Classic. So it doesn't mean in one. It just means in their careers, they've hit three home runs for Team U.S. Only four guys have done it in the, you know, 15, 16 year, whatever it is now, of the World Baseball Classic in that history. Only three U.S., uh, only four U.S. players have hit three home runs. One of them is a Hall of Famer. The other three are not, but the other the, the other three are all former All-Stars. If I want to, uh, to give you, a, uh, I'll give you a little fact about each guy. And do you want to see if you could guess them? Yep. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go. So uh, we'll start off with the Hall of Famer. Um, a, uh, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll, I'll give you three things about each guy, okay? Um, Hall of Famer. Left-handed batter, Seattle Mariners. Well, 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 one of them I know would probably be Ken. That's a little weird story about that. I don't know if you remember that first World Baseball Classic. Some of the games were aired pre-taped. And I remember they were showing them live, but I had to watch them on ESPN Deportes feed to watch that live. So that's a little fun. That's a little fun hearing it. It's an interesting experience hearing baseball play by play in the in, in Spanish. I mean, I've, I I checked. I actually checked that out during during the Met during some Met broadcast. The the Spanish play by play that that is something else. If you ever heard what some of the Spanish play by play sounds like for a major league game. Oh yeah, they they put on a great show. I remember the guy that got famous for calling the Sammy Sosa home runs. Remember that. And when 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 Sammy Sosa with the home run, he'd go, Sammy Sosa, no, 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 no. <laughs> and oh, everybody loved it. I have fun mem I, I, I have memories of that uh, seeing those those on, on Sports Center back back when ESPN was still ESPN. And that's a that's a whole other story. I got I believe me, I'm I, I have a whole thing gotta say about espn these days but yeah that but i know one of them of course one of those players that you mentioned was a was a king griffey jr the other one i think i'm almost positive was a chipper jones now chipper jones for what for the the three home runs that i was talking about was your next guest chipper jones yep well unfortunately chipper is not on this list but i'll give you a hint about the next guy okay this guy is another big-time left-handed hitter. Um, became a DH at the end of his career, but known as an uh, outfielder. He came up with the Cincinnati Reds. He also played with the uh, Washington Nationals, and I believe he finished his career with the, uh, um, uh, the Chicago White Sox. This is a guy that could routinely hit 40 home runs, but he didn't really hit for a high average and he struck out a lot. So if, if you had to take a guess, who do you think that guy is? I don't know. I think, I think I, I forgot. I think, I think Barry Larkin was on one of those teams. If my memory is correct. Not a bad guess, but I was talking about Adam Dunn. Remember Adam Dunn. Oh, that that's a name I haven't heard. 
It's definitely been a long time since Adam Dunn was around. Now, two other guys. There's two other guys that have hit three home runs for Team U.S. Both of them are world champions. Uh, One of them was a uh, very good defensive first baseman for the uh my for the back then the Florida Marlins he ended up moving on to the Chicago Cubs having a couple of big years out there as their first baseman and then I believe he finished up with the Baltimore Orioles do you have any idea who I'm talking about Dan it's talking about Derek Derek Lee yeah Derek yeah, Lee like there you go times. you are right it was Derek Lee yeah, I was gonna say that when I figured that that guy he put up some pretty good numbers for the first couple of years he played. Oh yeah, he even had that one big year where he hit like forty-five home runs. I think it was his last year with the uh, the Marlins. So yeah, you, you're right, man. Definitely, Derek Lee was a big time player. A lot of people forget about him. Uh, definitely, good job by you for not forgetting about him. But now we move on to the last guy. He. He was a corner infielder. He played third and first a lot of the time. Uh, he was also, his nickname was the Greek God. He uh, played for the Boston Red Sox. And um, mainly most people know him for his, his time with the Boston Red Sox, where he was on the uh, 2007 championship team. Um, is there anybody you can think of, Dan, that would, uh, who I'm talking about? I think you might be talking about Kevin Yuko. Well, you are correct, my friend. It is Kevin Yukolis. Here we go. There we are, right there. World Baseball Classic, United States, Ken Griffey Jr., Adam Dunn, Kevin Yukolis, and Derek Lee. That, that, that uniform looks pretty good, though, man, right? I, I, I love that United States uh, WBC uniform. Yep, I love that uniform. I want, I want it. I want to buy one of those. I want to buy a jersey this year, but it, unfortunately, it freaking costs an arm and a leg these days. I, I, w- I would have loved to have got me jersey for myself, for, for, but like I said, the price unfortunately these days for for those jerseys are freaking so damn fucking high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's definitely an arm and a leg. Well said. And uh, yeah, man, I just, I, I love that stat. I saw that earlier today and I definitely did not think that Griffey was going to be on that list. So it was very cool that he was. Um, and yeah, the only member of the hall of fame on that list too. So very cool. Very cool. As um, yeah, we uh, got a very cool world baseball classic coming up now. We, we also got to get into our Knicks uh, where, cause we're, we're coming down to the end here right now, but uh, I do want to fit in some Knicks and Rangers talk before we finish up here. The, the Knicks had a great run, I, you know, a nine game um, winning streak coming into last night. But then unfortunately, they get uh, taken down and lose last night, 112-105 at the Garden. Um, now they're heading out west. They play tomorrow night in Sacramento. So, you know, Sacramento's having a pretty good year. They're poised to end their uh, playoff streak, uh, their, their missing playoff streak. So they've missed the playoffs every year since 2005. Uh, that's the longest playoff list streak in North America. After they end that, which it looks like they're going to this year, then the longest playoff list streak in North America will belong to 
the Buffalo Sabres, and the New York Jets, who both haven't made the playoffs since 2010. So uh, don't think that um, is going unnoticed in the Ranger, in the uh, Jets' pursuit of Aaron Rodgers. Um, so that, that's definitely in the back of their mind because that's, you know, that's something that, that you want to end. And uh, the, the Kings will attempt to continue uh, their, their trek to ending that playoff list streak tomorrow night. The Knicks are going to look to get back. Um, unfortunately, you know, they didn't, they had a great win the other night against Boston, man. Did, did you see that game? Cause that was a great win and they did it without Jalen Brunson. And then it looked like last night they were a little tired because that game ended up going double overtime, you know, quickly played 55 minutes, had an insane game, dropped 38 points. Love what I'm seeing out of that kid. Uh, what are you seeing with that, Dan, right now? But that 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 was that was an unbelievable win. I mean, I I mean, I probably went nuts to the t the TV. Like I, I I think I may have had had a couple of beers that may have made me feel like I was at the Carded, but how that was an exciting win, right? Just just hold hold on a second while I get I got to get my power bank because the battery's low. No problem, uh, Nick's um, tomorrow as they look to just bounce back. That's what they got to do. You bounce back. And they, they don't have Jalen Brunson right now. And that's something that they really have to figure out. They have to learn to win without Brunson because he is a big part of their team. But look, you have to be able to get these things done. Now, I don't think – I mean, and look, the win against Boston proves that they don't 100% need Jalen Brunson to win every night, every single game. Obviously, you're going to need him because he makes your team deeper and better. But you, you don't now. You know that you can run quickly out there and get that A plus game. I mean, obviously, nobody had their A plus game against uh, what was it, Charlotte, the other night, where they ended up losing, as we see, one twelve, one hundred five at the guard, where they had multiple chances at the end of the game to lock it down at home against a bad team, but they just couldn't do it, and it stinks that it didn't work out in their favor. When, when you're looking at, at a nine-game winning streak where two of those games are against Boston and they've been playing top-end teams and they've been really beat up, you can't blame the Knicks for running out of gas a little bit last night at the end, right? Yeah, exactly. Also, I the Sacramento is always making me remember, remember Steve Summers calling them Sack of Tomato. <laughs> Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> Definitely love and miss that Steve Summers, man. He was the best. I, I really think, though, that we got a lot to look forward to with the Knicks now. Um, I mean, they they proved it. They, they got hot at the right time. They have solidified themselves at, in that number five role, so it looks like they're going to avoid the play-in tournament. And if, to make it even better, the cherry on top, is that the the nets are sinking like an anchor, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's the Knicks fans dream. Knicks fans dream. Though at the same time, I don't. I really don't think the nets ever really got a big following here. Here since they moved to Brooklyn, I mean, I don't even think this was a move even a lot of people in New York even wanted. The were even were begging. Were, I don't think people in New York were were begging for the nets to move to Brooklyn because they just feel this was. This is pretty much always a Knicks town for years, so I just think, just some rich executive just thought this that was a good idea, 
for as far as I see it. I, I think you're right. Nobody in New York wanted the Nets. They they should have stayed in Jersey anyway and been Jersey's team, you know, along with the uh, the Devils uh, as the the two professional teams in Jersey. Um, but unfortunately, they decided to move to Brooklyn, which I will forever blame James Dolan for, because if James Dolan wanted to, he could have stopped that. But instead, they gave him a lot of money and he, he looked the other way. So, look, I, I got to say Dolan has been a much better owner for the Knicks and the Nets uh, Knicks and the Nets for the Knicks and the Rangers over the last couple of years. But that is something that will forever stick in my craw that he allowed the Nets to move to Brooklyn because the Nets should still be in Jersey or the Nets should be back here where I am on Long Island because that's where they started in the ABA. They played over here at the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, They they, they should not be playing in Brooklyn. Nobody likes the Nets in Brooklyn. The only people that were showing up to Nets games in Brooklyn, aside from WFAN's Evan Roberts, were the, the people that were just they weren't net fans. They were Kevin Durant fans. They were Kyrie Irving fans. They were James Harden fans. You know, there's a lot of people in the that are NBA fans these days that don't root for teams. They root for players. So now that Durant moves on, a lot of those fans are moving on, right? Yeah, I used to get a – speaking of that, I remember getting annoyed with that back in the 90s. Remember that with all the freaking Bulls fans back in the day? It was like freaking – it's like all those days, it's like freaking like, really. And then, and then I remember, like I think, I think I remember when Jordan made that joke of a attempt to come out of retirement, which I don't even know what the heck Jordan was thinking that time because they felt like he he had done enough. It was maybe a better decision. He was able to walk out a champion, a champion like that, and to come to come out in retirement on a team that's probably not as good as what he's been playing with with, and. uh looked like a shell of himself. But during that time, all of a sudden, saw like a spike in a Wizards gear all of a sudden. Especially in the 90s, you saw all those fake fans running around and everything. And now, and it was weird, really, really weird seeing um, Jordan in that uh, Wizard stuff. It's still funny to look back at his stats, though, and still remember that he still averaged over 20 points a game both years with the Wizards, which is just crazy. Um, especially at that age. I think he was 40 and 41 when he was playing those games. So it uh, just shows how, how good and what how good of a scorer uh, Michael Jordan was. And I know that's uh, not exactly uh, breaking news that Michael Jordan was a good basketball player. But, uh, yeah, man, that's uh, very true. Darn it. Believe me, us Knicks fans had to deal with, the unfortunately, the losing end of that a lot of times in the playoffs. <laughs> Oh, you got that right, man, especially in the early 90s. Ugh, that was pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, you know, so as we're we're moving on here now, and uh, we got the last thing I do want to get to, man. We got to get to the New York Rangers as um, finally we'll, we're set and playing in Montreal tomorrow or tonight if you're watching this on Thursday. As uh, it was really good to see the last couple of days the Rangers get some practices in because – as Patrick Kane even said yesterday uh, for their first practice before, you know, after all these games and everything that he hasn't, he actually hasn't had a legitimate on ice practice with his teammates since two weeks ago with the Chicago Blackhawks. So this was effectively his first real practice with the uh, Rangers 
So um, good to see him finally getting settled in. I heard that him and his family was were looking for a place in um, Manhattan the last day or two. So hopefully he's getting settled in and feeling more comfortable. Um, you know, we, we mentioned at the top of the show the uh, really rough game they had in Boston, which, by the way, before we get into that, how ridiculous is it that the NHL made the Rangers play all these games in a row with a short team? I mean, you know, we discussed how they suspended Keandre Miller. Okay, there's nothing you could do about that. But then they denied the Rangers an emergency call-up. So now you have the Rangers playing with 11 forwards and five defensemen. Obviously, Lindgren was out because he was hurt. Mott got hurt. So, I mean, the Rangers were ended up playing about three players short. And how could the NHL allow that to happen? They have to do something with this, this low cap and all this crap because the Rangers were being punished for trying to win. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's just I felt like they just, they just, I felt like they handed the Rangers a loss that game. And it's just, it just felt like we fell out of it in the third. Like this did, this seemed like on Rangers like that game, that game Saturday, right? I'm used to those games, and just sometimes against at the beginning of the third, like five minutes or so into third, it's like we fall out of it. It's like, oh my god, really? What the heck am I watching? Yeah, and, and you know what though, as as frustrating and it was, as as it was to watch the uh, the Rangers and you know just struggle to keep up with Boston. That there's nothing we we could not have expected anything other than that because it's so ridiculous that the Rangers were forced to play with that little um, you know when you're looking at it at first with a 16 guy roster that's supposed to be running 18 skaters out there. You're forcing them to play with 16, 17 guys. How are they expected to play? These guys are all gassed. You have Aaron, uh, um, you have Adam Fox playing 33 minutes. You got half these guys, you know, even Ben Harper playing 20 plus minutes a night for, you know, because you're playing with, with, with such few amount of guys. Now I can understand when the Rangers did it to themselves for a game or two to try to save cap space, but for the NHL to not allow the Rangers to have an emergency call up, it's just ridiculous. Now they've got Johnny Brodzinski up with them now because they finally allowed it. Um, you know, and it, it looks to me like Tyler Mott might be okay. He was kind of skating in and out, but what did you think of that Dan too? They had Tyler Mott get hit with a, an elbow, a vicious elbow. And, the guy gets thrown out of the game uh, for the Senators on, on Thursday night, which was Patrick Kane's debut with the Rangers. And then, so he gets thrown out of the game, meaning they reviewed it and saw that it was a dirty hit, which it was. He clearly just drove his elbow right into the face of Tyler Mott. And then it comes back and there's no suspension. That That's one thing I don't understand. There was no suspension for the guy that hit Ryan Lindgren into the boards um, and and knocked him out for the last week to 10 days. Now there's no suspense. And he was a defenseless player that, that that's the type of hit they were trying to get out of the game, or at least they've been telling us they've been trying to get out of the game. And the same thing with this elbowing hit, a vicious elbow that knocked uh, 
Tyler Mott out as soon as he went down, you knew he wasn't coming back in because you know it was a direct hit. And it's just crazy that you know that they're holding the Rangers accountable for the cap space, but they're not holding these players accountable for dangerous hits that hurt other players, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a joke. And man, I was few. I cannot express that. And it's a miracle. It's a miracle. The uh, a cup or whatever it was survived and didn't. I didn't accidentally hit the TV because I remember once they got upset and I think I accidentally threw a beer can that hit the TV. But I don't. I don't. Not that I don't think a beer can would do damage to a TV. But these days. Just a small little hit sometimes with these TVs, and it's like your TV's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. If you sneeze on your TV these days, it can be fucked up. So yeah, you definitely write a beer can. <laughs> uh, I, I I I get the frustration though from from watching this and everything, but I do think that with a couple of days off, and um, and you got to remember too, it's a feisty Montreal team. The the Montreal team that. The, the Canadians, they, they might not be at the top of their division. They might not even be in a playoff spot right now. But they're a feisty, feisty team. I even saw against um, in Jonathan Quick's first start for the Vegas Golden Knights the other night, they had a 4-0 lead in the second period. And Montreal put a scare in them make it and made it 4-3 to at least make it made it you know a competitive game. So Marty San Louis, another former uh, trade deadline acquisition for our New York Rangers, has them playing pretty damn good hockey. Yep. I just feel like this one's going to be a highly contested game. And I'm looking forward to it, to, to watching it, because we've been we've been too many days without without watching my Rangers. There were too many, sometimes too many off days, though. It may have, it may have benefited because it finally gave Patrick Kane a chance to, uh, to, to, to kind of settle in with the Rangers because he didn't get a chance to it for... At the same time, I don't know. Maybe I think maybe maybe he may have felt it was a good decision. I wasn't. Maybe I wasn't quite thrilled of him, Patrick Kane, waiting one extra day to make his Rangers debut that time. Because I felt I felt that get used to being on a team. Yeah, I I agree. I was uh, definitely a little annoyed that he didn't um, play that first game. But actually, as a matter of fact, it probably worked out for the better that he didn't play that game. Um, just, you know, let him get settled in. The Rangers lost those next two anyway with him. They won the game before without him. So, you know, if they lost that game before, I think I'd be a little bit more annoyed at him, but at least they won. And now, you know, now we're at a point finally where just like you said, it's been a couple of days. We're all going into a little bit of hockey withdrawal, especially, you know, seeing the Islanders winning these last couple of games and everything now as they've been on a little bit of a run. Um, we definitely want to see the Rangers get going again and get back on one of these winning streaks. You know, the, the um, Knicks just had that nine game winning streak. Come on, Rangers. Let's get something like that. Let's at least get over five. Let's get back on the, uh, the, the, the winning side of things and close this gap in our division because we're just about there. Right, Dan? Exactly. And hopefully we'll have the a, a situation like 1994 when both teams that, that, that play that, both sports franchises that play in the garden were, uh, they were going on a, a, some really magical playoff runs. I would love to see that again. I'd be excited to see that again. Am I right? 
absolutely, man. That's something that they that we have to see this year. Uh, and uh, it looks like we could see it pretty deep into the spring. And, um, hey, that's going to be a really fun ride. And, you know, speaking of fun, man, it was a fun show today. We're, we're just about out of here. We had a lot of fun topics to get into today. As uh, but, but, Dan, before we get out of here, though, do you have any plugs you'd like to give yourself? Sure, my 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 YouTube account, both Daniel Carlin and uh, and on Instagram, Bobo seven one eight DK. Absolutely, make sure you follow Dan everywhere there. Also, I think you broke up a little bit just so people hear it one more time. His Twitter is at uh. Bobo103NYC. So do yourself a favor. Give him a follow. Give me a follow too if you want. At my last name, Kramer, and why? And also the show account at Sith underscore podcast. So do us a favor and check that out today. Also on Instagram, Best Seat in the House podcast. So we're always doing fun things on there, always putting up our reels and everything like that. So just want to thank everybody again for tuning in and having some fun with us. Uh, as always, every Thursday, you know, you can find us here on YouTube. So if you like us, please give us a, a like. Please subscribe to us. And if you think we earned it, give us a five-star review on uh, on iTunes and anywhere you get your podcasts. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer, with my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. And this is the Best Seat in the House podcast. And we'll catch you next week, everybody. <laughs>